Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Jason, ODB, the Lincoln Addict. Thank you for coming back. If you're a repeat listener, if you're new, make sure you smash the subscribe button on whatever device you're using or listening uh, to the podcast on. I really appreciate it. Some of you listen on YouTube. If you are, hit subscribe. If you're on an Apple device, like many of you are uh, within the pre-installed podcast app, make sure you tap subscribe and it's free. So uh, thank you guys. I definitely appreciate you coming back. We got a jam-packed episode. And for those scoring at home, it's been a little less time between this episode and the last episode, and that's going to hopefully continue to improve. I am working on the next episode. I've been talking to the guest that we're going to have on, and uh, you know he's from one of the big Lincoln crews, uh, if you will, and I'm looking forward to sitting down with, with him. I've hung out with him in California before, so that's a little preview sneak peek of the next episode of Lincoln Attic Podcast. This episode, episode 30, is brought to you by our fine folks at a couple of these brands. Don't fast forward through this because this is key stuff, whether you've got a Lincoln now or you're in the market slash dream car and you want to eventually pick one up, you want to make note of some of these different companies. So you can also go into the show description notes and you'll see some of this content as well, including links to their Instagram and or a website. But number one, first and foremost, Devious Customs, deviouscustoms.com and Devious Customs on social media. You can follow Jeff and team. They're doing some of the, the craziest builds in the world as it relates to Lincolns and other vehicles. But most importantly, the parts business that Jeff offers is uh, awesome. Uh, deviouscustoms.com, you can go under the Lincoln section. You have everything from interior pieces to speaker setups, as well as the world-famous air suspension kits that include everything that you need to uh, either um, have to bag your car at home or have a local shop do it, deviouscustoms.com. Uh, Colorado Custom, with no S, coloradocustom.com. Uh, Michael and team, they make uh, America's finest billet wheels, which includes the Lincoln replica wheels. Uh, many of us are running those Colorado Custom wheels. They make the billet wheel look uh, just like the hubcap. Uh, ColoradoCustom.com. Hit up Michael and team. They'll take care of you. Uh, steel rubber. I often talk about the maintenance on these cars and some of the things that have to be done oftentimes are the weather stripping. There's a lot on these cars, arguably some of the most weather stripping I've ever seen on a vehicle. Uh, steel rubber will take care of you. S-T-E-E-L-E rubber.com. They're of course a family-owned business. They've been around many, many years, many generations, rather. And they'll, I think they still do a free catalog if you want it, or you can go to steelrubber.com. And lastly, Griot's Garage. We've got to thank them. The best detail products in the world. Uh, we had Nick on, who is now, I think, the CEO of the company. He was promoted. Uh, Nick Griot, that's G-R-I-O-T-S, Garage, griotsgarage.com. So on this episode... Larry Highbloom joins us. Now, I met Larry, I think, technically through social media via my YouTube channel. I believe Larry was watching the videos, uh, doing these different reviews of cars on Facebook Marketplace, on Bring a Trailer, eBay, and Larry had been in the market to sell his car. And how ironic is this? We've lined all of this up. The time of recording is May 16th, 2023. 
eight o'clock hour on the eastern uh, side, and Larry's car just went live at auction on bringatrailer.com about an hour ago, less than an hour ago. So we're going to talk to Larry about his car, and uh, it's pretty cool. 62 Lincoln Continental convertible platinum, that, that really kind of baby blue color that I love so much. But, I mean, this car is literally like one of the best in the world. You know, it's it's a nice car. It's it's not a typical bringatrailer.com sale. Me, not not saying that you know uh, cars on bring a trailer aren't nice, but certainly for a Lincoln, it's kind of in its class of its own is the best way to I, to explain it to everyone. It's it's a higher tier car. Uh, it's a car that, you know, even at 100 grand at 120 grand, 130 grand, I know from speaking to Larry, it's not going to sell for that price. If it goes much higher than that, you know, at the reserve, then I, I know it's going to go uh, to a new home. But it's one of those cars. He's got the money. He's got the time. He's got all of that invested in it. He knows where he needs to be at. It's just a car that's a little atypical from a Lincoln, 60s Lincoln rather, perspective to go and bring a trailer because, again, it's a higher teeter uh, restoration. So we got Larry on this episode. I'll also go through my normal, what I call kind of Lincoln Life stuff, which will probably be a little shorter for this episode. I know I've said that in the past, but it probably will. And then we'll get you right to the meat and potatoes, which is Larry's interview. The overview of this episode is brought to you again by Devious Customs. I love when I go to deviouscustoms.com. I can actually uh, go to kits and parts, and then you can hit shop Lincolns. And when you do that, he's got all of those parts there. I love the billet pedal sets, the firewall bulkheads for 6364. Uh, Of course, he's got the billet switch panels. If you want to upgrade your window switches, maybe yours are a little too raggedy and they can't be rebuilt. Speaker pods, Dakota digital gauges, air suspension kits, door panels, you name it. Arguably, Jeff is producing some of the the best mix of parts uh, from a resto mod standpoint slash kind of purist. He's got some things that kind of meet in the middle that will make anyone happy. DeviousCustoms.com. All right. So on the last episode, I'd like to recap this because if we pick up someone that's a new listener, it might give you a little bit of insight to go, you know what, I am going to go back to episode 29 and prior. But on the last episode, we had John Lyman. So I sat down with John again. The cool thing is John's been on now uh, a couple of times and we talked a lot about part scammers. Okay. So I want to give a tip of the cap to John. John also had shared that he had moved, relocated his business. And John is a great guy. I always love talking with him. He's he, he knows these cars. He does a great service for his clients and customers, parts, all of that mix. So I want to give a shout out to John Stinkin, S-T-I-N-K-I-N, Stinkin Lincoln. So kind of that moniker, uh, which I love. Now, I've got a review of a product that John offers that I'm going to be posting hopefully in the next week on YouTube. So make sure you go out on YouTube and follow Lincoln Addict, right? That's my channel. I produce everything there. Uh, Some of the podcast episodes batch over and they kind of live there, if you will, but Rest assured, John Lyman, Stinkin' Lincoln, I'll be doing a review for a 64-65, I guess technically 61-65 through 65, a part uh, that you can install on your car, uh, and it has to do with lighting, so I think it's pretty cool, and I want to thank John for um, always looking out, so big ups to John. Now, the uh, one update that I'll give 
that ties into the topic that John and I talked about last time, which was part scammers. We gave different examples. We kind of had fun, you know, uh, fun episode, you know, joking about different things. And again, I would preface and say, hey, we were never, me, I'll speak for myself, never going to make fun of anyone, different dialects, different places in the world, so on and so forth. Never going to do that. But we do talk about how ironic it would be for these parts are already rare for these cars, right? Someone over, no offense to like, you know, Asia or the Middle East and things like that. I've got friends that live in, you know, New Zealand and Australia. I've got a buddy, one of my best friends is Thai. You know, I've got friends from all over the world, but how weird would it be for someone to acquire and collect all of these parts that it sometimes have taken someone like Chris Dunn at Lincoln Land a lifetime and they've somehow acquired these parts and they're in the the Asia Pacific. It's just not going to happen, right? So we, you know, we joke about that piece a little bit because again, it just doesn't happen. And it's not that, you know, an international seller of parts isn't possible because I mean, people have bought and sold cars that go to the Middle East. I know our friend Josh in San Diego, he sold, I think two of his cars that went to the Middle East. There's people all around the world that have money, but when you're talking about parts and you're talking about being diligent with not getting scammed, you have to be on high alert is the best way I can say it. If you go on Facebook and you go to Lincoln Addict, one of the things we've done is we've shut down the parts posting in our group. Now, our group, there hasn't been a lot of discussion. Some of the other pages, there's constant discussion. And I think some of that has to do with me just not being on Facebook lately as much. But I posted a short video, four to five minutes, about a week ago. And uh, it was someone that had followed me on Lincoln Addict and my personal Instagram. And it was like Lincoln Continental Parts, something like that. It's a very vague name. And you start looking at the photos, all different backgrounds, no consistency, right? We've talked about that in the last um, episode. And the reason why I'm saying all that is you have to be very conscious. Some of you are you know, Instagram savvy, and some of you are like, what's Instagram? When you're on Facebook or Instagram, my feedback, again, to reiterate from last episode, is be careful. When you have someone that follows you, don't just follow right back. That's what they're looking to do. The way Instagram is, like it's going to show you that notification in the app, like, hey, they followed you. Do you want to follow them back? And a lot of people just go, boom. These scammers will do that all day, and they're going to go in at night, and they're going to unfollow all of the people that followed them. And what that does is it helps their number. It shows like now they're only following a couple hundred, but now they've got 10,000 people following them, right? And they keep playing that that, uh, seesaw game. They keep their followers that they're following low and they try to get more people to follow them. They buy some followers and then boom. And then you start having the tipping scales with the algorithm and their stuff starts getting pushed up. Well, what they do and what this person was trying to do to some folks, you know, my understanding was boom, they start saying, Hey, pay me through PayPal friends and family. You pay them 400 bucks or 200 bucks or 50 bucks or $10, whatever it is. And then boom, they block you. Done. What are you going to do? You're going to contact Instagram. They're not going to do anything. They're going to say, why did you send money to someone that you don't know? So be careful of that. The key update that I have is if you go in our Facebook group for Lincoln Addict, watch that video that I posted. I do a little voiceover on it and I show you an Instagram account that literally, because I look at this stuff every single day, all the parts, I know where these parts are coming from. 
literally the person saving photos from eBay, taking screenshots from websites, and all of this you know goes on their feed, and they're just like, oh wow, look, he's got bucket seats, he's got deck lids, he's got you know these rare features, he's got this, he's got consoles, he's got all the cool stuff that everybody wants. What's the likelihood of that? It's just not going to happen. So, anyways, previous episode recap brought to you by Griot's Garage. Again, G-R-I-O-T-S, garage.com. You can buy product there. You'll be surprised as well if you go to your local auto parts seller and you go down the detail aisle, more than likely you're going to see Griot's Garage, that famous red decal image for their business. Uh, go and, and support these guys. Nick came on. He talked about the difference in the quality of their product. And I'll tell you what, I've been using their products now for a while, and I love them. They also do free videos on social media, but I primarily follow them on YouTube in terms of their content there because I'm not the best when it comes to detailing stuff. So you can check out Griot's Garage, their videos, and they're helping train people on the proper way to do things. Uh, Check them out. And if you're new, go back and listen to the episode, Griot's Garage with Nick. He's got a link in too. So it was a perfect guest to have on Lincoln Attic Podcast. All right. Next, we have Lincoln Life Update. So, man, the last few years, you see this rise in popularity of Lincolns. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Larry later. And uh, a couple of the events uh, that are growing like crazy are, uh, well, one in specifically I want to talk about is the Temecula Rod Run. And... Um, Temecula, California is um, is a place that I don't think I've been, technically. Uh, it's a beautiful place um, north of Escondido. So when I start thinking San Diego, you go a little north, you got Escondido. Uh, you go a little bit north there on the 15, and that's uh, Temecula, right? So you're, I don't know how many hours or how long it takes to get to Huntington Beach, Long Beach, um, which is kind of the northwest of where Escondido is, um, and then Temecula, of course, north of that. But Temecula Rod Run's been around a long time, and because there's such a huge concentration of these Lincolns in the California area, you just end up with the Lincolns taking over. And uh, this year, you know, with with the Lincoln Life guys, um, with Suicide Kings, with the Raddies, and then you had some of the Suicide Slabs members there. You had a culmination of a lot of Lincolns in one place. So it's uh, something that goes down every year. You can uh, Google Temecula Rod Run and find more information on it. Uh, Certainly, I would have loved to win out, but we have a big truck show we go to every April. And it's just kind of not in the cards. It doesn't line up perfectly. Uh, This September, though, is the Raddies get-together. And I I have a feeling it's going to be even bigger this year. Uh, they usually align it with Cruising for a Cure at OC Fair, and then they do a thing on Sunday, and we're going to talk more about that as we get through the year. So uh, big ups to these different Lincoln you know, groups, clubs, crews, whatever you want to call them. Uh, a lot of good people, a lot of cool cars, some custom, uh, some totally stock, everything in between, good people. So uh, if you want to see on Instagram – Kind of the insight to this Lincoln Life is you want to follow um, Lincoln Life 6.5, Suicide Kings. They have a couple, Suicide Kings LA, Suicide Kings CC, I think, for Car Club, uh, Suicide Kings NorCal. And then you have the 
Raddies, R-A-T-D-Y-S. These guys and ladies are all giving kind of insight into their world, cruising their cars. Some of these guys are meeting up every week during the week. So it's pretty cool. Now, a few weeks prior, which is the weekend literally that I was up in North Carolina for the truck show, that was the Raddies Viva Las Vegas event. So I got to get these guys on to talk about that as well. That's an event where they all cruise from California over to Vegas. If you've never been out west or you're outside the country, you know, you're talking a few hour drive and these guys get in their cars and they cruise and they're not afraid to do that. They go hang out in Vegas for the weekend. They do all kinds of cool stuff, take cool videos, cool photos. So shout out to all of those groups. I mean, it's cool. I share some of it, but it's only just a little pin drop into what these guys are sharing. And I love seeing it. Uh, Richard at Suicide Slabs, uh, David Escalante kind of running the crew over at Suicide Kings, the Raddies, the, the, you know, with Roberto and Rusty and all the good kinfolk there, and Jesse and his brother and some of the other kinfolk under kind of the Lincoln Life brand that those guys do. Big shout out to all you guys. Again, I love seeing it. And um, I'm certainly not in a position to cruise as much as these guys are just because of other stuff I have going on. So uh, just me as a Lincoln enthusiast. I always love kind of getting a peek into what they've got going on. And some of those guys brought home some nice hardware from Temecula Rod Run. So tip of the cap, good people. Lincoln Life Updates brought to you by Steel Rubber. I mentioned at the top, Steel Rubber, we've done an episode with them. You can go back and check it out. Uh, the owner of Steel Rubber came on and sat down with us. When you go to steelrubber.com, you can select the year, make, and model of your vehicle as well as the style. So if it's a convertible or sedan, And they're going to give you a list of all of the parts for your particular car. If it's a convertible, if it's a sedan, and they make nearly everything. Now, each year is a little bit different. If there's something you don't see that you want or you need, hit up Steel Rubber through their customer service. Oftentimes, if they can get a good original, they'll start making a product. And again, over the course of time, they have been the go-to place for Lincoln owners, S-T-E-E-L-E, Rubber dot com for more information. All right, so next we have Lincoln sales. So the updates that I kind of mentioned that I've really pulled back a little bit here. I do post cars for sale for time to time, but what I would want to kind of reinforce to anyone is if you go on bringatrailer.com and you type in Lincoln Continental, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to see the live auctions, including Larry's car, currently at, at $10,000 with seven days left. But if you go scroll down a little bit, you're going to see a few sales, and I'm going to cover the last three. So you had a 63 convertible in Princeton Gray, I think the color is, 54500 That was on May 11th, so just under a week ago. Solid car. I did the review for our YouTube channel for Lincoln Addict. Uh, you can check it out. Um, there's some things with it that weren't perfect. These cars often aren't perfect. I think Larry's is pretty close, but this 63 was, you know, a solid car, not a high-end build, but something that surely someone's going to get in, probably turn the key and cruise and have fun in it. There was a 66 on May 1st that sold for 52,500. So this was literally $2,000 less. I thought it was a nice one. Uh, Another blue car, a 66. Uh, convertible, so you had kind of the late model, if you will. And then just a couple days before that, on April 30th, 
or day, I guess a day before, you had a yellow Sunburst 61 Lincoln Continental convertible, and it sold for 55000 So three cars in literally a week and a half, two-week span that sold all within $3,000 of each other. So that kind of gives you the market right there. Now, certainly, you can break down the nuts and bolts of these and start to say, okay, well, why was this one um, you know, only 55000 and things like that? And you look at a lot of these cars, and oftentimes they do need a good amount. Like people have enjoyed them. They've driven them. You know, they haven't maintained them to like a super high end, you know, specification in terms of, you know, fixing everything, you know, fixing the AC, doing this, doing that. You know, a lot of times these cars can be driven for a very, very long time and just enjoyed, you know, with basic maintenance, believe it or not. Although if you go on social media, you know, a lot of people would make you think that these cars aren't reliable and things like that. And sometimes, you know, you'll run into to issues. I get it. But certainly, like I always tell people, if you want to do a motor swap in your car, have at it. I mean, you can do that, do whatever you want to do. But just know that you don't have to do that. I often see it on all the TV shows. They're like, you know, I went with an LS because, you know, I just wanted a reliable car. And I'm like, you can have a reliable car with almost any engine. But when the car's 60 years old, you often have to do a lot of stuff to it. And I think people just go, you know, for the power and the money and for what I'm going to have in the end, people are just swapping the motor. So either way, basically three convertibles sold within two-week period all within $3,000 of each other, that mid-55 range. So it's kind of given us a little bit of level off to kind of see where we're at. I'm curious to see where we'll go from here, including Larry's car, which we'll talk about here shortly with Larry Highbloom. Lincoln Sales Updates brought to you by AccuAir. If you're looking to add air suspension to your car, accuair.com. They have uh, plug-and-play applications, and you can literally uh, go there and buy a kit, you can have that kit installed. They have pressure-based systems. They have height sensors. You can even work this stuff from your phone if you have the ECU Plus, which is pretty darn cool. So uh, check them out, AccuWear.com. Let them know that Lincoln Addict Podcast sent you. Oh, by the way, they have a Lincoln on the cover of their page. Pretty freaking awesome. Check them out, AccuWear.com. All right, next we got Lincolns and movies, TV shows, music videos, and album covers. I keep expanding the section. I posted a reel on this via social media, and there's a YouTube channel that used to post some pretty cool stuff, Big Fancy Car, and he posted this video in the past, which reminded me of this flick that I guess you could call a cult classic. Some of these movies, they're very hard to find. They're not available through streaming, but some of you old school guys may remember a 1971 flick called Chrome and Hot Leather, all right? This is crazy. Uh, IMDB says a Green Beret returns home from Vietnam War to find that a gang of murderous bikers has killed his fiancée. He calls on several of his Green Beret buddies to come and help him take revenge on the gang. And in this video, movie, there's a clip of what I did on social media is I really edited it down to kind of get it to, I don't know, 30 seconds or 60 seconds. So you got to keep in mind, if you go watch the whole clip, it is a little bit longer. But it's a 62 Lincoln Continental sedan. Of course, they made 27,849 of those in 62. 
and uh, they literally destroy this car. Oftentimes, I used to think way back in the day, and I think people still scratch their head when we talk about you know how many of these cars are left, and you know you go, wow, there were twenty seven thousand some odd sedans. You know there must be twenty five thousand of those still left. Well, Hollywood fires, parting out, rust. You know, you could make some categories of where some of these cars go. You know, fender benders back in the day. You know, these cars were kind of boats in the late 70s, early 80s. And it just was like, okay, they were junkers if the, you know, the, the, the if the bumper was, was you know, uh, crammed in. So this is a perfect example of where one of these cars ended up going. Now, who knows if anybody had track of the Vintag. There is a website, which I'll talk more about in the future, where you can submit your VIN. Uh, it's the Lincoln Registry. And if you Google Lincoln Continental Registry, um, I recently submitted a couple of VINs uh, to them, and they responded pretty quick within a couple days. But I think it's thelincolnregistry.com. And if you've got like a car that you've parted out, take a photo of the VIN plate, and when you submit it, uh, you register a Lincoln on the website. You can submit and register your car, and you can put like a note to it, and they'll put it in the database. Uh, which is kind of cool. But again, going back to this flick, you know, these cars were often used. And if you watch Chips, which I grew up watching, uh, California Highway Patrol TV show, and, you know, you'll see crashes with these cars. If you watch um, the uh, the Robert Zemeckis flick, used cars, uh, you'll see cars in there, you know, Lincoln's just getting, you know, crapped on, if you will. So check it out. Crazy movie, 1971 flick, and I posted, um, you know, a shorter version of the Lincoln sequence on social media. Check it out. Lincoln's in movies, TV shows, music covers, album covers, you name it. Uh, some of you have also submitted some of these, so thank you very much. I'll try to get to some of those in the near future as I produce more content of Lincoln Attic Podcast. All right. Next, we got Smuggler's Blues and Rita Hayworth. So my 64 blue and my 65 red. I never would have thought that I'd own two of these cars. I I feel very fortunate. Sometimes hate even talking about it because I feel very blessed to have worked hard to be able to afford these two cars. And uh, there's not a lot of updates to share. The blue 64, I do intend if all goes well, although I'm kind of dealing with some personal things right now, I may take it to a show this weekend. I had it really lined up to go to a show back in January and just with weather back in January and a few other things that I was kind of working through that I've talked about on the podcast. I just haven't gotten it to a show yet. Now, I say a show. We do have the third weekend every month in Tampa. So the third Saturday every month in Tampa is something we call Rides by the River. And it's down at the Tampa Armature Works. So the owner is a big car person that owns this whole area. It's a beautiful building. They showed a lot of, uh, you know, respect to the old lineage there in Tampa at the Armature Place where they made armatures. And they do this event. And I have taken the car there a couple of times. If I make it this Saturday, it's gonna I'm going to be 5 for 5. So January, February, March, April, and this will be the 5th for May. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, the plan was to go down to Rides by the River and then leave from there and go to Dover where the car show's going on. Uh, so we'll kind of see how that works out again, dealing with some other things. But that's the one update that I have on Smuggler's Blues. Rita Hayworth, I was just talking to my friend TC and Blair, or my friends rather, and we've got to finish the air condition upgrade. So we started it 
and it's really been on me because we got pretty far that day. We probably have two or three hours left, and I just haven't gotten back over there. We haven't carved out a good day to finish it. But what I'm going to do is I'll do a video, and I'm hoping that TC will be able to offer you know, some advice for people that want to do a similar upgrade. I think the big thing for us is upgrading the condenser, which is going to pair well with the new refrigerant. That stuff is important. Everything I've heard, everything I've read is if you're going to upgrade to the 134A, I think it is, you know, you want to go with the newer condenser if you can. Now, do some people upgrade anything but just the ports? I mean, I've heard people doing it and they're fine. But, you know, we'll, I'll get a chance to see. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having the AC working ice cold in this car. Not so much that it's going to keep us ice cold, you know, in these hot summers here, but just to have it done. You know, not many people take the time, um, and I certainly haven't on my 64, to go and redo everything and make it where it works, you know, in terms of the AC. Now, I've done a partial update on my 64 with the vacuum lines and things like that, and that's a lot. Uh, but certainly... Once the 65 gets squared away with the AC, I want to then eventually do the AC uh, for sure in the blue car. It's just going to take some time uh, to carve that out. So that's a future project. But those are the few updates that I have on Smuggler's Blues and Rita Hayworth. Um, certainly um, fun cars, but uh, always always something to do. Uh, next, I want to give a shout-out to Larry. So this is ironic. So Larry Highbloom, a few... I don't know, several weeks ago, I want to say a couple months ago, but maybe several weeks ago, he had reached out about doing a write-up on me, and uh, I certainly appreciate that, and he's part of the LCOC, which is the Lincoln Continental Owners Club. If you go to lcoc.org, that's the site you can actually, if you want, you can subscribe to the Lincoln Continental Owners Club, there's like a yearly fee and whatnot, but if you go to LCOC regions, and then you go to Philadelphia. From there, you're able uh, to look at these newsletters, and there's a spring 2023 newsletter. It's the fourth link down. When you go to that, it's going to pull up a PDF, and you can uh, scroll to, I don't know, page six or seven or something like that, and you're going to see a write-up that he did on me, which I really appreciate. And it's pretty cool. It kind of talks about why I like Lincoln's, talks about my channel, the podcast, really brings together a lot of stuff. So I can't thank Larry enough for doing that. So huge shout out to Larry. As I wrap up my segment, I want to thank again, Devious Customs uh, for the continued support. And don't forget coloradocustom.com. If you want the Lincoln replica wheels, the billet aluminum wheels that look just like the hubcaps without the hubcap flying off, go to coloradocustom.com. Talk to Michael and team. They're the best billet wheels in the, the world, and they're not cheap. But rest assured, they will last a lifetime. That's certainly uh, a good thing. ColoradoCustom.com for more information. Hit up Michael and team. Thanks for listening. Again, I'm working on that next episode already. Hope you guys enjoy the audio from Larry. Good guy. And if you're bound our channel somehow, because you're looking to buy this car in the next week. Good luck to you. Uh, bringatrailer.com and search in the box, Lincoln Continental. You can even turn on notifications now if you're logged in. And you'll get an email anytime a car is for sale. Bringatrailer.com. Go out and check out this car. It is amazing. I will be highlighting some of it as well in social media 
via Lincoln Addict. Take care, everyone, and be safe. And if I don't talk to you guys before Memorial Day, just know we appreciate all of the servicemen and women out there. And on this federal holiday, we honor and mourn the U.S. military personnel who have died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. Rest in peace to the fallen. We out of here. Peace. Hey, hey, as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm super excited to sit down with my friend Larry Highbloom. Larry, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Jason. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. We're really excited to speak with you about your car and I uh, can't wait to get into it. But would you mind sharing just a little bit of backstory, a little bit of information on who you are, Larry? Sure. Thanks. Appreciate it. So outside of, I'm located outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm uh, uh, was a former, I guess you call it, top tech entrepreneur, who actually started out in um, in the account the accounting world. But you know, I really didn't like that, and I've, I've been a car guy my whole life. So I kind of segued from accounting into the automobile dealership world um, as a controller, and from there, I um, kind of got an idea to build a business, and was lucky enough to. Uh, have a wife who was uh, behind me and supported me. So, you know, we have a brand new baby. She's a year old. And I say, um, hey, honey, I'm going to quit a paying job and go start a company. Uh, and she's like, yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. Tracy's amazing. Shout out to my wife, Tracy. So anyway, we started a, started a company in 1990 and it ended up being involved in what is called electronic lien and title processing which basically eliminates paper titles at the DMV by uh, sending electronic messages to the lien holders who finance car purchases. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, in the old days, they used to send a title to the lender marked, you know, this lien in favor of, you know, XYZ lender. Mm -hmm. And then the lender would stick that thing on the shelf. And most often than not, they couldn't find it when you made your car, your last car payment and you had to go get a duplicate title. So, hey, a bunch of states said that's stupid. And we built a company that helped the lenders process with the DMVs and, uh, you know, always involved in cars. Um, now I was dealing with titles. Interesting. <laughs> and yeah, so and uh, got two daughters. Uh, one's in L.A. One's with me here in uh, Philadelphia and um, have been a Lincoln guy since I got out of uh at college. Awesome. Yeah, I wanted to kind of ask you, and I appreciate the backstory on the company that you helped build. The question I had was kind of, you know, you mentioned being a car guy for a long time. Do you remember playing with Hot Wheels and things like that as a child? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? I drove my parents crazy. <laughs> I had to have the latest Matchbox that came out. And I don't even know if you remember that this is way before your time, I can tell. Motorific. Oh, they were so cool. We used to buy these things called Motorific. It had like a racetrack. It was ah. a plastic racetrack you, you could make yourself. And um, the cars were larger than slot cars. And they had like real tires on them, which was amazing. And they looked like, you know, a 65 Mustang or, you know, a, a 60, 68 Chevelle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I used to drive them crazy by building these road courses throughout the living room and, uh, you know, and in the kitchen sometimes. And uh, my mom every now and then would say, that's enough, get them out of here. 
and I'd have to throw me out in the backyard and I'd go play with the cars in the backyard. <laughs> Amazing memories. I, I love it. And you you hinted a moment ago about kind of liking Lincolns for a long time. What do you think maybe drew you into the Lincolns? Was it seeing photos or advertisements or maybe a car there in the area that you remember? Well, it was actually a Lincoln that I bought from a friend. So I had gone to a school in Washington, D.C. and graduated in um, 1979. Uh, yeah, I'm an old dude. And um, he, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who's still my good friend, his brother's wife, if you can follow the chain there, mm -hmm. was a paralegal working in a law firm in Washington, D.C., and they settled the estate of this woman, and she had a 65 Lincoln sedan. And at that time, it was, it was uh, Wimbledon white with the green, um, sea foam green interior. Mm -hmm. And at that time, when they settled the estate, the car had 22,000 original miles on it. And so um, my friend's brother, his name was John, he bought, bought the car, and he kept it for a year or two. And then um, he sold it to me. And I had, you know, in the basically, you know, early 80s, I had this 65 Lincoln in my, you know, driveway in, in the apartment complexes where I was living at the time because it was before I owned a house. Mm -hmm. And and here we were tooling around in this Lincoln. And it was in, um, it was in pretty good shape. I mean, 22,000 miles. I mean, you know, there was the normal things you got to take care of, but it, the thing ran like a charm. And that car is what got me involved in Lincoln's because I just was freaked by the, the engineering and how cool this car was. And, you know, even back then in the mid eighties, it would turn heads when you drove it down the street because you just don't see those cars, you know, at the time driving around. So I always, you know, you learn about the, the sedan and then you learn about the convertible. And then I saw the convertible. I said, gosh, I'd, I'd like to get one of those, one of those these days. And, um, so what had happened was we, ha we had a baby in um, our first child was born in 1988. And so she, when she was three months old, I sold the sedan at auction in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And um, I had had it repainted and, uh, you know, I didn't do it, but I, I sent it out to have it repainted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I did some of the labor by taking the chrome off and the bumpers and everything and, and then putting it back together again. And so I actually, you know, did okay when we sold the car at auction. Um, and then I'm saying to myself, you know, all right, I'm, I'm carless now. <laughs> and, and so, you know, back before the internet, right, folks would sit down with the Sunday paper, in this case, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and you'd, you'd go through the classified ad sections, and the, and the Inquirer had a separate section called Antique and Classifieds. And every Sunday when it would come out, I'd read it. You know, you know, every listing in the in the in the classifieds, and sure enough, one day a 1962 Lincoln Continental convertible was advertised for sale in uh, Lancaster, PA, and um, you know, I called the guy up, made an appointment. It was a young guy; he was probably in his 30s. You know, it's not like it was an old guy who kept the car for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And I, I drove out, you know, by myself to a. Uh, to Lancaster, I looked at the car and it needed some work. Um, it wouldn't get out of wouldn't get out of second gear into the third gear. You know, it's a, it's a you know the, the the transmission is a, a sometimes a problem for that car. And so, anyway, uh, I bought the car and brought it home. 
and and with my wife following me in another car <laughs> right and 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 made it home and um so that was in 1990s when i bought this uh, convertible and i've owned it ever since and um you know i at the time uh, you know i was building the business i was uh, i had started the business in 1990 and i had bought the car just as I left the the safety of the car dealership to start my own business. So here I am hmm. trying to build a business. I've got a classic Lincoln in my garage and I've got a little baby running around that, you know, crawling around the house. By then, uh, 1990, she was, you know, a year and a half old, uh, two years old. So she was making her, making her way around the house. And I'm, I'm playing with this Lincoln uh, in the at whatever free time I had. Right. And um, I did enough to keep it running. It was in pretty good shape. You know, we got the trans fixed, but I put a top on it and um, that helped a lot. But I knew it needed a, a lot more work that, and I'm, I was originally planning to do it myself, but, you know, things kind of got in the way. But um, it started me down the path, though, of really meeting some really cool people. I mean, I used to I used to call Baker's Automotive. I started with Ron Baker when Ron was still alive and he was still taking the phone calls. Mm -hmm. and, and so I used to talk to Ron about he would help me, you know, with the, how to go through the top. I, um, I think I, I'm going to try to find it. I think I have one of the earlier manuals he hand wrote or he hand printed wow. um, on, on the convertible top. And, um, you know, we got that working. Uh, and I would buy parts from him off and on, but I did enough to, that I could drive the car. I had a mechanic locally who did the things that I couldn't do on the engine and, and, and any carburetor work because, you know, I know what my limits are sure. and I, I definitely don't want to hurt the car for sure. And so I had some local mechanics helping me out and keeping it on the road. But, you know, I always kind of, I knew that it needed a lot more that I was, that I was giving it at the time. But, you know, do what you can, right? And so but bit by bit, it, it got better and better and better and roadworthy. But it was still, you know, probably a, a number three condition because mm -hmm. the paint luckily was good. But by then, you know, bubbles were starting to pop up because I don't remember. I, I don't have any record as to when the last time the car was painted before I bought it. Right. So, you know, I don't know who did the prep or whatever. Uh, but it had been repainted, but thankfully they repainted it in the right platinum color, which is critical. So, you know, apparently somebody was trying to keep it on, you know, uh, statistically, honestly, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, um, and anyway, so, you know, we just kind of drove, drove it around. I mean, I still have memories of my, uh, my daughter who's, you know, now 35, where she would stand up and hold on to the steering wheel <laughs> while I worked the pedals with the top down. And my other daughter who was then born, after my first daughter would sit next to her. And if, if, if you, the people who make you put kids in childcare seats could see <laughs> us, we'd be arrested. Right. 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 We'd go, drive around the block and she'd steer the car and I'd work the pedals. Oh, yeah. We're talking about Larry Highbloom. And when we talk about the 19, as you said, the 1962 Lincoln Continental convertible in the platinum color, it really, really is just a, a stunning, beautiful color. One of my favorite colors. I love the color blue. My dad and my mother, they had several blue vehicles. Nothing as cool as a Lincoln Continental convertible when I was younger, but I've always leaned towards blue vehicles. I've owned a few myself. And when you see the car, which I have not seen in person, I've seen in a lot of photos and videos, it's really, really stunning. 
And when you were driving this car around during the period, which we'll talk about shortly here, the, the restoration that it goes through, but before the restoration, did you feel like you were going to local shows and you were always getting thumbs up or were you only taking it out a couple of times a year? Oh, no. It, I, I drove that car. Um, uh, now, when I bought the car, it had about it had 65,000 miles on it. And currently, um, I think the odometer's at 84,000, something like that, okay. or 80,000. I should, I should know that by heart. But I, I only put on 15,000, 16,000 miles in complete ownership of the vehicle since, since 1990, which is when I bought it. And um, But every time I would take that car out, you know, even when I had just gotten it and, and it needed a little bit more work. I mean, you know, people would always, if you would stop at a, at a traffic light, invariably somebody would lean, you know, put their window down and say, you know, what year is that? Is that yeah. a 65? Yeah. And and by the way, this is the pre, you know, quote, entourage thing. Yeah. So this was, this was way before the entourage show came out that uh, a lot of folk that uh, opened the eyes of a lot of folks to Lincoln convertibles. And so people just were amazed when they would see the car because the top was working, right? So I, I like to take the car to, you know, um, actually not even car shows, but like to, to the, not to the mall, but to the outside shopping area near our, our home and just put the top down. And when people would see the four doors open up, the, the rear doors and the top was down, I mean, you'd get people coming up to the car and saying, what, wait a minute, what are you telling me? And they would be like, what is this? And right. other people who, yeah, other people who knew what the car was says, I haven't seen one of those in so many years. Oh my word. Does everything work? And I would show them back then, even there, and the drop-down windows worked, and the the uh, the top worked, and the you know all the door and the windows were working. So it just it blows people's mind when they see a Lincoln convertible that's functioning. How how cool, even though it's complex, but how cool that car is. Yes, it is. I know so many people. It brings to to mind, you know, JFK as the president that it's such a synonymous car, you know, with that name. And like you said, in different regions of the country, you'll hear different conversation pieces. I know down here, shout out to our friend Chris at Lincoln Land. You know, Chris was often cruising in the Clearwater area with his car. And I've heard people say, wow, what is this? I can't believe it. So they definitely are head turners, as we know. And something to keep in mind, something that Chris always told me is, when he started his business in the early 80s, he goes, hey, Jason, you got to remember, these cars were only 15, 17, 18 years old, if you will, and it's hard to kind of imagine that. But again, you know, after the crazy gas madness of the 70s into the 80s, these cars were a little bit more plentiful in the early 80s. And to find a car like you did that was what I'll refer to as a survivor, it was in such good condition that had to have been a good feeling all those years pre-restoration to know that you were cruising around in a car that wasn't some sort of rust bucket. Right. It had good bones. The, we, we certainly did doing, do repairs before the big restoration took place. In, um, in 1998, I had the uh, 430 rebuilt because, I, you know, at that time I was starting to make some money in the company. And, and, and I realized at the time that, you know, I, I need, I need to rebuild the engine because not that it was running rough or doing anything like that, but I wanted to kind of get that done first before, you know, and I didn't have at that time any knowledge that, oh, within, you know, five years or so from that, 
or not even like, so 1998, I started, yeah, it was uh, 13, 15 years later is when I started the big restoration. So I was just taking it in steps, but we did have the engine rebuilt in 1998. And it's an unbelievable condition, that engine. It just runs so well. Yeah, and these cars, for anyone that might be a new listener or someone that's looking to get into one of these cars, or you're going to find out here shortly how you could buy this car, just know that these cars, I mean, they scream elegance. They run really well when they're tuned properly, as Larry's explaining about his car, and they're just so much fun to drive. And uh, again, you may be able to experience this with Larry's car here. We'll talk about it shortly. But what I wanted to kind of transition into is the restoration itself. Because again, a car with really good bones, often that kind of brings you a little bit more square to a situation where you don't have to go as far as taking a car from the junkyard to restore it. Uh, This car was in very, very good condition and it had very good bones. Uh, Talk to us about the restoration that Ron Baker and team did there at Baker's Auto that used to be up in, I believe, Connecticut. Sure. So fast forward, you know, I'm, I'm still driving. I was driving the car around. We had a rebuild engine in it. I had I put my second top on it after I think it was about 10 or 12 years because the first top I put on uh, was starting to go. And, you know, I was spending a lot of time talking to uh, Ron and then Steve Owlett at Baker's Auto. He stepped stepped in. Uh, later on and started to talk to him but you know it was parts parts from them for the car and um i said oh this is the big thing i subscribed to their newsletter Mm -hmm. and so i would get the newsletter from baker's auto and i don't remember if it was quarterly or monthly but i do remember looking forward to getting that newsletter and you know they would give you the parts specials and and I, i would also um see um you know uh, some indications of restoration and i went up there and i visited them once on a trip mm-hmm. and that because my uh one of my kids was going to camp up in the connecticut area and so i decided oh this is a good opportunity to go visit them so i got to see aha baker's auto and it was phenomenal and so i knew that if i could ever get to that stage you know financially I, I, and i was going to restore this car mm-hmm. completely that's where it was going to go because you know they're they're known as the Church of Lincoln. There's there's a couple of guys that have gotten to the um, level of being known as the Lincoln shops, um, and um, and Baker's Auto was definitely uh, the early one that was known for that. Unfortunately, and fortunately for me, but unfortunate for them, right after they my car was about a year and a half after my car was done, their shop burned down. So. Um, Steve now uh, just sells parts under. Uh, I think the name is Old Car Clearance on eBay, but they don't they don't do the restorations anymore mm-hmm. because they they lost their shop. But so anyway, I kind of skipped ahead there. Sure. Uh, so things improved in business, and um, in 2013, um, our competitor bought us, and so um, that provided a little bit of you know funds, and and, and instead of going on a trip somewhere big. I said, you know, I said to my wife, I said, this is it. We're going to get the Lincoln redone. And, um, you know, leading up to that, I had, had been calling Steve and I had been trying to get into the shop and they were busy. They were full up. Yeah, I mean, you I, know, my understanding were... was a couple of year lead time just to get in the door. Yeah, that's correct. That's 100% correct because, you know, the, um, they take their time and they go through the car and they and they they can do everything or they can do, you know, a little bit of work, whatever the 
the person wanted at the time. Again, they're not, they can't do it now, but that's what they, they did then. So he finally had a slot for me. And in, um, I think it was uh, October or November of 2013, uh, I had the car uh, trucked up to Baker's and I met him there. And, um, you know, we, uh, we had a, a sit down and we went through the car and, and he gave me an estimate and he asked me what I, I wanted out of the restoration. And I said, you know, we're starting with a car that's got, you know, pretty good bones. Um, I want this car to look uh, and run and be as amazing as it was the day it came off the factory floor and ended up in the showroom of, of the dealership. And he said, well, you know, it's, it's going to cost this, it's going to cost that. And, and I said, well, you know, um, I'm prepared for it. And, uh, it, she deserves it. I mean, the, the car deserves it. That was another behind my decision process is because these cars are so phenomenal and they're, but they're difficult and complex that if I was in the shop of the experts, I didn't want to go halfway. I wanted to go all the way with the guys who were known in the industry as doing the best restorations yeah, possible. Exactly. Especially waiting for anybody that's ever waited to get into a shop. You're waiting, you know, let's say two years. You don't want to get in there and be like, well, I don't know. You know, I kind of want to do, you were committed to go all the way. Right. Yeah. So he had the car from, from 2014 or 2013 and he delivered it back to me in September 2017 is when I picked it up. And actually I drove it back from Baker's Automotive down to Philadelphia and it was a glorious spring day, beautiful weather. And I had a guy following me in a chase car cause you never know. Right. But nope. Other than having to stop at every rest stop to fill it up. <laughs> The car ran amazing and the about, whole way down. About how many uh, how many hours was it from there for the drive? Um, so we left. So they were, they were up in Putnam, Connecticut, and I'm driving to Philadelphia. And I want to say that's like 300 miles, and I'm being super careful. Got it. So it was probably five or six hours because we would stop. You know, I wasn't trying to break any land speed, speed <laughs> records. Yeah. And... And even on the drive back, when we started in the morning, we, we had uh, stayed in a hotel nearby and we took the car out in the morning, like 730 in the morning to beat the traffic. Because, you know, my biggest fear was hitting 95 in the Bruckner Expressway and the GW Bridge with all those truckers in this beautifully restored car. And, and I was terrified of that. So we wanted to hit that early. And uh, But even then, when we would pull up to the gas stations, in the rest stops to fill it up and people would come over and look at this car and the top was down by the way i did this with the top down and it was amazing the car was so amazing because awesome. everything on it was perfect it was yeah. in great shape now for those that don't know i want to talk a little bit more about the restoration keep me honest larry this car we're gonna if all the the stars align we're gonna try to have this episode of the podcast lincoln attic podcast debut around the same time this car is going to go up for sale is that correct yeah yeah it's, it's correct it's it's time as i'm getting older in life to uh to give her to a new home to somebody who really really will um appreciate and enjoy and enjoy the finest engineering that ford had in 1962 amazing now where can they go to find more information or potentially bid on this car so it's going to be listed on Bring a Trailer, and it's going to go live on May 16th, so that's uh, next Tuesday. 
and the auction will end on Tuesday, May 23rd. So currently, unless something changes out of our control, the uh, listing is all set and locked down and uh, should go live on the 16th. Now, I would tell anyone that's listening that if you or your family or let's say you know someone in the entertainment business, sports world, whoever is interested in this car, as Larry said, it's bringatrailer.com. Now, that site, if you've never used it, I know the name can be deceiving. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, what does that mean? It's just a name that they came up with. Bring a trailer simply means uh, that's their auction website. So uh, you can obviously drive the car. You can have it transported. But I think something to keep in mind is when you talk about one of the finest Lincoln Continental convertibles in the world that we know of, this is one of them. And it's also a good thing, as I've always said to folks, is... You know, we may not be able to drive these cars every day, or maybe we don't get in, get in behind the wheel every month. But something that's important is that these cars don't sit for years and years and years. You want to drive them, you want to do the things that you know a car wants to be driven, right? So Larry's car is one that has been to some shows, and we'll talk about that. And it's been driven, but it's it's really impeccable. Uh, Larry, do you mind giving us a little bit of insight into some of the key things that Bakers did, maybe the top windows, engine bay, interior, anything that you want to share related to this restoration that was about a four-year uh, progression? Right, right. It was, it was four years you know, off and on, of course, not four years of continuous work just on my car, but they had you know, probably three or four in the shop at the same time. But it basically was, and, and this is a land yacht, stem to stern, so... Everything on this car was looked at, and if it wasn't, um, in their judgment, up to, up to um, snuff, it was replaced. And um, that was the other reason I decided to go full bore on a restoration, because with these cars, the issue is the dwindling availability of the correct parts for these cars. And Baker's is one of the, the, the few who, who have sufficient parts to do this but they're dwindling they're going as guys are buying them up for their cars and so uh that was another reason that i had them go you know full bore on this because i didn't want to be that guy chasing you know a switch or a circuit you know eight years from now or four years from now from the restoration that all of a sudden you can't get and nobody has built because you know you have guys that are now building the parts you can't get mm. so so anyway, but Bakers did everything. They they looked at everything. They, the engine was taken out. The the entire interior interior was taken out. Any body damage that they they saw was uh, corrected. Um, there were some um, panels that were patched in the floor uh, that they didn't like in the uh, the right front uh, bumper. And and by the way, when you buy these cars, everybody knows this. I hope your listeners know this. You you don't know that the prior history of these older cars. So you, you often you run into you know what we call shopping shopping center you know accidents where you know the prior owner had a had a fender bender with somebody else and you don't see that until you start to really dig into the car and you notice mm -hmm. that you know maybe a bumper bracket is angled kind of funny but the rest of the car looks fine so anything that that they saw that they didn't like they replaced uh, they made sure the measurements were exact uh, within factory specifications and we ended up, you know, completely redone interior, completely repainted car in the correct platinum. All the chrome and the stainless was taken off and refinished. Uh, nothing stayed on the car. The uh, top, of course, was, re was replaced. Convertible top mechanisms were all gone through. 
the HVAC, and this is another thing for the folks who understand Lincolns, the listeners who, who, who are familiar with these cars, the HVAC is a vacuum system. And so if you're a Lincoln owner you, you know, and you've owned one of these, these beauties, when they work, they're phenomenal. But if you have a problem, it could be anywhere in the HVAC system because if you have a, a hose that goes in one connection, say, to a blower motor and you lose vacuum, then the rest of your HVAC doesn't work. So that was all replaced. That was all gone through. Um, the uh, air conditioning w- was converted to 134. You didn't have you didn't have to change the compressor much. It would just change some fittings according to what mm-hmm. what Steve told me. Yep. And it still blows cold today. And that car was delivered to me in 2017, and we haven't had to recharge it at all. It still blows 34 degrees uh, at the through the dash with the temperature gauge. And so um, it's it's held a charge and it's, and it runs and works fabulously. So. You know, all of the electric, electrical circuits and switches and the windows. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you, the, the, if, the, if the car sells, the buyer will get the complete repair order from Baker's, which includes, I mean, and by the way, the, the guys put over 1,500 hours into this car mm. at Baker's Auto. 1,500 hours, $42,000 in parts alone. So you can... You know, folks can run the numbers in terms of what that comes to. Um, they'll get a repair order, which is, it's it's like ridiculous how long it is with everything they did. 16 pages long of everything they did every day when they worked on this car. Because what is really good about Baker's approach is on every specific day, each tech, and there's only two of them who worked on these cars, Tommy and I, I'm skipping the name of the other gentleman, and I feel bad about it. But um, Tommy would write down what he did that day, what parts were purchased that day from stock, or if they had to get them from somebody else. And you have a complete biography of the of the restoration. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would tell folks is, you know, Larry... And I kind of linked up through social media and through some of the, you know, in the same circles in terms of Lincoln folks and whatnot. But Larry had watched some of the videos that I've done on YouTube. And what I would tell you guys is oftentimes I I talk about keeping the documentation and whatnot. And Larry, like you said, the biography that you have on this car in and of itself is uh, tremendous because this is going to help you, if you're the buyer, potentially uh, convince your significant other that we've got to have this car or think about if you did purchase this car or if you own a car and you're able to pull together this kind of uh, uh, you know book, if you will, when you go to sell your car like Larry's about to do, it's going to help bring all of that knowledge and all of that information and all of the facts, you know, the, the, the key word, the facts to light so that people can make a conscious decision if they want to invest this amount of money in the car. It sounds like just the documentation of itself, Larry, is phenomenal. Yeah, they, they did a great, great job. The, the only thing I regret, and I do regret this, I didn't have, I don't have photographs of the restoration. I didn't ask them to take pictures. And that's asking a lot, by the way, because you have to realize the guy's focused on doing something that day that he wants to accomplish the right way, the correct way. To, and then he's got to stop and say, oh, let's set the cameras up, take a picture. They, they don't have time for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah so, understood. And when you, what I would tell folks is, yeah, I hear Larry loud and clear, but as Larry has stated, if you look up Baker's Auto, I mean, these guys were 
the spot for years and years and years. And rest in peace, Ron Baker. One uh, video I want to mention that you had shared with me is there's a video, I think you call it the Martini video of the car starting. The elegance of it, can you speak to it, as well as the fact that these cars, how quiet they are. You mean the, 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 my shake and not stirred? Yes, there you go. <laughs> video, yeah. So when I drive the car, well, one of the things we did um, in the restoration is uh, we, we took the factory radio and we gutted it and we put in modern components and Bluetooth so I can play from my iPhone. I can play anything that I want you know, through the, the stereo system, which, by the way, we build a replaceable stereo. So for judging, we just unplug the speakers and take them out of the car and the car looks perfect for judging. So the, And the car's by the way, and we'll probably get into yes. it. It's been scored been scored a hundred points twice in its in its two outings. But anyway, so I would always drive around and, and, and at my age, you know, what comes to mind when driving to Lincoln is Frank Sinatra. So yeah, one of the things that I, I wanted to do to show how smooth this car is, how balanced this engine is, is um, I poured a, a, you know a martini on into onto a glass on the air cleaner and let it sit there. And then I started the engine and the martini was sitting on top of a Frank Sinatra book right on the air cleaner. And I started the engine because, you know, all cars, you start the engine, the engine shakes a little bit. Glass didn't move and the car ran, you know, the engine started right up and I revved it a couple of times. Glass just sat there and it didn't move. So well, uh, if you go to, I have a, I'll give you the link, Jason, to that, that video if you want to share it with your, yeah. your, your fans. Yeah, I'll put it in the description of this podcast. So many of you are listening through the Apple Podcasts app or maybe on lincolnatic.podbean.com. You'll be able to go to the description, the notes, um, also in the Podbean app itself. You can go to the description notes and you'll be able to click that link and it will take you over to uh, his channel. One of the other things I noticed in the Shaken Not Stirred video was you have one of, I believe, keep me honest here, the battery has a topper on it. Um, is that a battery topper that you have that kind of gives it the old school look? No, no. Actually, that is a real battery. So uh, in, in the course of owning the car, I found, uh, I found these guys in Knoxville, Tennessee, and gosh, it's, it's, I'm forgetting their names, and I feel really bad about a Turbostat, I think it is, Turbostat in Knoxville, Tennessee. They actually make current AGM batteries, you know, the, the absorbed glass material, whatever the AGM stands for, the, the current modern battery, and it's not just a topper, that it's made with a complete, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, labeling and the K right, the casing, the little reserve uh, water reservoirs you're supposed to open up and fill up, but obviously they don't work. But instead of it just being a topper, it's a real battery. And so um, I don't have, you know, I don't take the top off of it when I go to shows and then underneath you see an interstate battery or something. No, nope, nope, it looks like an auto light battery. And it's got all the right markings on it. And these guys are in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they're amazing to work with. They because um, one of the batteries that came up actually was bad, and they instantly replaced it and paid for shipping. <laughs> those, those things weigh fifty pounds. So um, anyway, it, that's a real battery. Yeah, and I was hoping I had a feeling you were going to say that because I, I know the level that you go through in uh, some of these, you know, kind of projects that you've had over the course of time, including this sixty-two that we're talking about. Uh, the engine looks amazing. Uh, before we talk about the 100-point piece that you mentioned, 
what are a couple of your favorite things as it relates to your uh, Platinum 62 Lincoln Continental Convertible? Uh, the, the favorite things. Um, so it's always it's always a show for people when the top goes up and down. Um, obviously, that's that's number that's number one. And uh, but beyond showing it to other people, what I enjoy about the car the most, it's it's a super strong, comfortable, reliable car and very rare. I mean, they they only made thirty two hundred and twelve sixty two convertibles. I don't know how many they made in platinum. Because um, there, I can't find any statistics. I've been looking. If somebody else out there knows, that would be great. Um, I don't know how many they made in platinum. But when when I'm driving in the car, I'm looking around. I'm going, wait a minute. I'm in a four-door convertible, right? It's a unibody car. <laughs> it's got, you know, vacuum-powered windshield wipers and and door locks and HVAC. It's got a 430 engine in it that's purring and you go down the road. It's so smooth. Now I, I did switch to radials, but I had run bias plies on it for a while. And I did switch to radials because I just, you know, I just felt more comfortable on the radials. So um, that's the only modification. If you, if you look at it, I think it's one of the only modifications somebody would point out right away. It's not running the bias plies, but when I drive this car, and, and, you know, even around town or when I have it out on the highway, it's like unbelievable. It's like you can't believe in 1962 this sophistication and this level of engineering was available. And it was expensive. And that's probably why they only sold 3,212 of them. But it's just that's the fav my favorite thing is just driving the car. Yeah, no doubt. And when the listeners, if you many of you are you've you've emailed me and you've said, hey, you know, we love the podcast and we love you know, the history of these cars and, and we do as well. So we think, I thank you for the support. Something that I would point out is we know these cars were around the $6,500 mark and there were some cars more expensive and there were a lot of cars a lot less. And it's always intriguing to me that when you really look at the numbers, as Larry's mentioned, for these convertibles, anywhere from 2,900 to 3,500, depending on the year, but generally speaking, 32 to 3,500 were made uh, or produced. If you really break that down, John Cashman used to say, you know, let's just say 50% of them are still on the road. And you go, well, how? And you go, well, think about this accidents, a potential house fire. Uh, some of these cars were in rough conditions for their entire existence. So they were parted out, they were taken to the crusher, all of that. So when you really break down that 3,200 number that Larry's talking about, you easily get to like maybe 15, maybe 1,600-ish that could still even be out there. And Larry, you could even break that number down more to say how many are really you know, on the road slash not in a private museum, I would say even far less from that 1,600. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. And and realize this was Ford's halo car in 1962. The top of the line vehicle from Ford Motor Company was the convertible Lincoln Continental. And there's a, there's like you're saying, 1500, 1400 around today. And, um, you know, this this car is in, in superb condition. So uh, I don't know how many are around that are in the condition like this car is. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to kind of ask you this question. When you think of everybody kind of has a, a year in their head that they really love, you know, some people, you know, it's, it's a different year. Some people, it's this one. What do you think it is? You know, 62 is a very sought after year. 
what are maybe a couple things that come to mind that you think really draw someone to the 62 model year? Well, I think one of the things is, well, for, first of all, the, the 61 was the first year of the new generation, the fourth generation. So I think they use that year, <clears throat> not intentionally, but they, they, they encountered and worked through any bugs that came out so that the 62 would have been, um, would have benefited from some, you know, learning issues uh, of the first year of, of any generation car. You, you can, there's, there's a lot of folks who think like that, you know, they just come out with this, well, I'll wait a year until they work out the kinks and then I'll buy the next year. Mm-hmm. The other thing is they did revise the grill because um, the 61, a lot of folks, they felt it looked too much like the Thunderbird because if, you, if you're a fan of the 60, 60s era slabs, Everybody who studied this will, will remember the story about how it, the Lincoln Continental actually was initially supposed to be a Thunderbird mm-hmm. until some 50s they decided to, to break it out and make it its own separate standalone car. So it still bared some relate, uh, resemblance from the initial design to the Thunderbird. So in 62, well, and by the way, I, I love the 61. I think the 61 is, is drop-dead gorgeous. And uh, so the 62 looked a little bit cleaner and more distinct simply because of the grill change. Um, and they kept, as you know, Jason, they kept that, that body style through 63. And then in 64, it got lengthened. And um, gosh, you can correct me. Uh, is that the year that they went to the straight windows on the sides? and then The flat glass, exactly. And something that a lot of people point out, to your point, Larry, in 61, 2, and 3, People think, you know, everybody has their opinion on it, but they really truly believe like the curved glass that did, to your point, change in 64 to the flat glass. A lot of folks feel like the the classiness of it was just at at an all-time high because of the curved glass, and obviously it's more expensive to produce that. And again, 61, 62, 63 often is a special place in a lot of people's hearts, including the 62, for some of the reasons that Larry just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's a couple things I'll point out. The introduction date of the 62 model was 10 12 of 61. So it was October 12th of 61. There were a total of 31,061 uh, produced. Larry mentioned 32 12 on the convertibles. That left 27,849. So 27,849 sedans. The four door convertible. Uh, was retailed at $6,720. But again, if you did the math, I mean, that was a ton of money back in 62. Uh, Optional equipment, I want to mention this as well. So uh, some of my resources that I always kind of refer to and some of the notes I I take, uh, some of the new options for 62 were the power vent windows, which my understanding, I talked to TC, are are very, very rare. Uh, The electric radio antenna, uh, you also had for 62, that was new, was you had the automatic deck release. That was the sedan only. And then you had the automatic headlight dimmer, um, which was like $45-ish, if you will. But 62, like I said, um, or, or like Larry mentioned, they really started to refine a couple of things. And if I had to pick between 61 and 62, my heart goes to 62 just because I like some of the refinements that they made, especially with the front. Although... Larry said it, 61 definitely is an amazing year as well. Let me ask you this. When you talk about uh, a 100-point 
restoration, right? And a 100-point score at some of these Lincoln Continental Owner Club, also known as LCOC. When you talk about scoring 100 points, not just anybody can do it, what are some of the few, like maybe a couple of the fine details that you really have to kind of reel in, so to speak, in order to Mm -hmm. meet that 100-point mark? Well, the the first thing I would say to anybody who's serious about having their vehicle judged is, first of all, join a club for that mark of car, whether it's the Mustang Club, you know, or the Chevelle Club, um, or the Lincoln Club, the Lincoln Continental Honors Club, because it's going to be a source of several things. Number one, it's going to be a, a source of uh, information and the accuracy of restoring the car. It's also going to be a source of suppliers and vendors for parts for the car. And most importantly, it's going to be a source of the greatest people around, you know, the people that enjoy that car, just like you enjoy that car, who are available anytime. I've just found this by living it. Um, And I'm not selling anybody on a club, right? I'm just saying... My experience with the LCOC, um, and by the way, you have regional chapters. I'm in the Philadelphia region. So um, you meet the most amazing people on earth because they, number one, they share your love of a specific vehicle. But number two, they'll do anything to help you. You could call these people day or night. You've got a question. I had questions regarding my uh, convertible as I was preparing it. Um, you know, for the sale, because you, you, you go over everything and I encountered some items mm-hmm. and um, I had people I could call and they were giving me their support and and the vendors and suppliers that support that mark. You know, I, I spoke to Steve Owlette at Baker's. I spoke to Rich Liana, who's now the man for, for Lincoln Restorations. You know, the people who support these cars, Chris Dunn, his, his crew down there, TC and Eric. Yep. Oh, yeah. At Lincoln Land. I, I drove TC crazy. This is my shout out to TC. She, it must, uh, we had a problem. I was having a problem with the deck lid um, for a little bit of time. And um, I was driving her crazy because it was every other day I was calling her with a question about this, about that, about this, about that. And she never didn't take my call. She always took my, it got to the point where she <laughs> saw my number. She said, hey, Larry, what's happening today? And so, and nev- never a charge. Right. Uh, uh, Chris, I'm sorry. I don't know if I took up all of her hours. So anyway, that's just for me. Chris would come up to the shows, too. I know I've met Chris before. Great guy. I even talked to Mike Marino, who has uh, I think he took over Cashman's operation Mm -hmm. and he he walked me through some ideas on the phone. But so if you're going to restore a car, you want a hundred point car, get into a club so that you have access to these kinds of people, the products they produce and the supplies they can provide you. And then. My second uh, highest recommendation is get an authenticity manual if it's available from your club. In the Lincoln Continental Owners Club, uh, the first thing I did was buy the the authenticity manual, and it lays it out in front of you. Um, If you're serious about a restoration for judging, you have to follow the authenticity manual because you can't guess. You can't say, well, I think they used tower clamps on the radiator hoses in 1962 and then go to a meet and and find out that, you know, no, they used worm clamps and then you get a demerit. Now, in my case, it's the actual opposite. Ford switched over to worm clamps during the 62 production year 
And I literally was at a show, uh, at a judging meet where somebody said, uh, you've got worm clamps. And I pulled out the authenticity manual and I showed them the line that said it is acceptable for judging purposes for the 1962 Lincoln to have worm clamps because they switched to that sometime nice. during the year. So that an authenticity manual will will help you avoid um, mistakes that can be really, really costly. And it also helps guide you in, in terms of 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 the accuracy of some of the parts you might you know put on your vehicle like we all cringe if we see a, somebody who said they have a restored ca car and you see the flex hose to the radiator is one of the things you buy at autozone right right you go you go oh come on guys really um but you don't want to be too crazy because part of the joy of having the car is driving it and not building it a, to be a trailer queen um and and in, in this case um we ended up with uh a, uh, we ended up with a 100-point car that I, you know, every now and then I do drive and enjoy when the, when the weather is good, of course. So my recommendations, join a club, get the authenticity manual, and don't be shy. Uh, and attend their meets, whatever club you're in. Go to their meets. Um, at, at get their newsletters if they have them. Immerse yourself in the vehicle uh, because that's really going to be the only way other than writing a blank check to somebody that you're going to trust very well. You know, you could, you could hire somebody, you know, there's the guys out there. You could just give them a blank check and say, give me a hundred point car, but it's going to be cheap. It is. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I can tell you it is not going to be cheap, especially with the Lincolns. Um, shout out as Larry said to TC, uh, Teresa Connor, AKA TC at Lincoln land. Shout out to Chris Dunn. Uh, these guys have helped me a lot. I, I um, give credit to them all the time. John Cashman as well. Uh, you mentioned some guys that, you know, you obviously kind of came up through the Lincoln scene with Ron Baker and team. Again, rest in peace to Ron. But um, often reinforce to people, hey, I wouldn't know an ounce of what I know if it isn't for these guys. But I got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll wind it down. So you answered the question specific to, um, so I appreciate that, you know, relating back to the 100-point car, so a very thorough answer. What advice would you give someone, whether they can maybe, maybe they can't afford this car, which we'll talk about um, in a moment, that you're going to be selling, but Let's say someone wants to buy one of these cars and they want to get into a restoration, whether it be mild or full bore. What advice would you give them from someone like yourself that has went through and endured in a restoration already? Okay, well, the first thing would be to determine what, set your goal and objective. Determine what you want to achieve. If you're looking for a 100-point authentic car, that's going to send you in one direction. If you're going to build a resto mod, for example, you want to take the car and modify it and customize it to your own intent, that will send you in another direction of, of, in terms of my answer. So um, first off, if, let's say you do want that 100-point show car the you know that to drive onto the field at, uh, at Pebble Beach or Amelia Island. Find the best car that you can buy and pay pay whatever they're asking if you can find the best car to start with to start with because the gap is going to be narrower now speaking about the lincolns and, and the older cars of that era anything you know older than the 70s frankly the, i mentioned this i think before the parts are starting to become unobtainium and meaning that you can't you can't find them and so you, you don't want to be stymied 
by buying a a rough car, number one, and then having to track down all of these harder and harder to get parts. As simply as time goes by, the parts are getting bought up by by guys who are doing the same thing as you are. So you're kind of like in a rush to in a race to get to these parts. Uh, if you buy uh, the best car that you can buy, number one. Um, a lot of the work's been done. A lot of the parts been acquired. A lot of the detail has been done. You're going to save money in the long run, even though you're paying more at the inception. Because I don't, you know, unless you have a complete shop, I mean, a you know, a complete paint, you know, downdraft paint booth and everything else in it, and 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 you're going to do this yourself. You're going to spend in on a Lincoln. To do it, take a rough car, let's say it's a four or a number three condition, and break that thing down and make that a number one concourse car. I know what I paid. You're you're going to be over two hundred thousand, two hundred twenty thousand dollars without batting an eye. Absolutely. So that's that that's on a resto. Uh, that's on a complete restoration for concourse judging for a resto mod. Then you go in a different direction because you, you have ideas of what you want to do with that car, whether it's a Lincoln or a Corvette or a Mustang. It doesn't matter. So that answer is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You, you might you might want a number four car because you're not going to be trying to meet concourse judging. You're just going to be ripping things out and replacing them. You know. With um, you know a devious you know uh, uh, chassis setup you know or any kind of those cool mm-hmm. uh, uh, products that are out there and you're gonna you don't care about the wheels because you're gonna put on Colorados and who, right. who knows what you're gonna do who knows what you're gonna do with that car so it's the first step in the in the in the journey is what do you want the outcome to be. And then that drives which way you go. Yeah, 100%. You guys, have, if you've watched the YouTube channel, you know that if you're looking to get in on something, to Larry's point, you can get in at a lot lower cost. But obviously, like I've told folks, if you're not a hands-on type of person and you're relying upon local shops or places that you're going to take your car to to another state, it's definitely going to get expensive. So, Larry, I want to give you a thanks because uh, you had mentioned just a moment ago about the regional... LCOC groups and um, you had recently uh, did a spotlight on myself and I want to thank you for that. Um, if people go to lcoc.org, uh, you can go to LCOC regions and then you can go to the Philadelphia region. There are newsletters and there is a 2023 spring newsletter there and you did a write-up, a spotlight on myself and I and I really appreciate that. The reason why I wanted to kind of tie that in is you know, when you, when you think about how people, uh, the enthusiasts meet these days, sometimes it's at an event, you and I have really, um, uh, sparked up a great friendship and we kind of met through the Lincoln forum slash YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that. And I think like you're giving us a lot of valuable information and I really appreciate you sitting down with us. Um, my, my pleasure. And, and for your listeners, um, you know, I might, I might seem, I've nerded out a bit on the Lincolns um, because I'm so invo- I'm so in love with the car and and the editor of the Continental Star, which is the newsletter for the Philadelphia region of the uh, LCOC. And um, just you know, for full disclosure, I've also judged at the in the summer because uh, they threw me out on the field with the 
the senior judges. I've, I've ju but they didn't let me judge my error. They, uh, I've also judged uh, the Mark II error. Mark IIs are amazing cars. Uh, don't get me started with them. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so just just for your listeners to know, I've, I've been involved with the LCOC for a couple of years now. Yeah, the last couple things I got, number one is, again, when you're on the website lcoc.org, you can become a member. And I know, you know, sometimes these, you know, quote, clubs are looked at, you know, in different kind of uh, generations of folks and things like that. Certainly what Larry said, in my opinion, rings true. If you want to become an LCOC member, Lincoln Continental Owners Club, uh, certainly do that. Um, you can find all the information there if you just click on uh, join LCOC. And, you know, let's help bring this into the next few decades. You know, there's a lot of younger folks getting involved in these cars, not saying that they, you know, that they, uh, you know, that it was always maybe the older crowd, but certainly over the past 20 years, you mentioned the E word entourage, which was the TV show that kind of helped bring maybe these cars to the forefront for some folks that weren't aware of them. But, um, I certainly appreciate um, everything you've stated so far. The last couple things I had was I wanted to mention, um, speaking of LCOC, you have had an opportunity to be at a lot of these very cool events. You shared some photos with me. I believe one of them was in Michigan where you got to meet some of the leadership at Lincoln. Uh, how neat was that being parked in front of the building with Lincoln uh, kind of across the front of the building there? Oh, that that, that was the highlight. I think of the club membership going back oh so many years because we were celebrating the centennial, the hundred year anniversary of Ford's acquisition of Lincoln, Lincoln from Henry Leland, and, um, and that occurred in uh, 1922. So the, the celebration was in in August of uh, 2022, and so it was a fun, a fun fest, a Lincoln fest, so to speak. We um, we had our cars shipped out. Several of the members in the Philadelphia region, we uh, we all chipped in and got an enclosed carrier, and we we fit five big big old Lincolns into the. I'm telling you, the guy when he went to close the door, he said, "I I can maybe get three fingers between this door." <laughs> And the bumper on on my car, by the way, was the last one in on the way up. So he he was he he breathed in and he held his breath and closed the door and it worked. And so we had the car shipped up. And so for the first two days, we we all stayed at the uh, Dearborn Inn right across from um, some some proving grounds right there. And then from the Dearborn Inn, we um, we had dinner at the Henry Ford Museum. We met uh, Joy Falatico, who's the president of Lincoln. And um, some other Lincoln execs, they gave a presentation to the membership, um, and we were able to wander the the Ford Museum with part of our, our you know, as part of our dinner evening. And we had drinks and, and cocktails, and everything was set up, and it was it was totally amazing because it was all about Lincolns. I mean, we were in heaven, and um, and then um, the next day we had a uh, we had two optional trips. Um, I took a tour of the Ford plant. I saw them building F-150s. If you can get an opportunity to go to see a Ford, to the Ford plant, the River Rouge plant, they're still there at River Rouge, and you see them build these F-150s, you have to do it. It, it will blow your mind. Um, the other trip, we uh, took a tour bus. We didn't drive our Lincolns. We took a tour bus up to Edsel Ford's house on um, in Gross Point. What a house that was built by um, Edsel Ford in the, you know, in the art deco days. And that you, you have to see that to believe that. And 
in in the museum there they had the 1939 lincoln prototype the continental that everybody knows of that was built in 1939 which became the the lincoln and then we we all jumped in our car oh i forgot this we had a a car show at um ford world headquarters the glass house and we parked our cars in the parking lot in front of ford headquarters and they let us you know, go inside to Ford World Headquarters. Um, we had lunch inside. We saw new Lincolns that are, you know, concept cars that they uh, they parked in the hallway as to what they they were working on. And all the young, uh, when you mentioned, you know, the the young kids with Lincolns, I couldn't believe what I was seeing there inside of Ford Headquarters. You know, these you know fresh faced kids are are working hard on the next generation of Lincoln. Yeah, and I'm like. This is good news. This is good news. Not a, not a bunch of old guys. <laughs> yeah, our future and, is and safe. you're not an old guy. You're not an old guy. Yeah. So, oh, and we had we also had dinner. I forgot. We had dinner at Henry Ford's house at, at Fairlane, Henry Ford's estate, and um, we're able to take pictures of our car. And then we jumped in our cars the next day. I forget what day it was, and we drove to Hickory Corner. So we had a caravan of Lincolns. I don't know how many there were in there. It was easily a hundred. Um, going on 94 all the way out to um, Hickory Corners, which is near Kalamazoo. And that's where the Lincoln Museum is in um, Hickory Corners. And that's where they had the, um, the centennial judging meet. Uh, for It was a national meet where everybody was there. Because usually you'll see an Eastern National Meet or the Western National Meet or the Midwest Meet. This was a national meet. So everybody from every region had their cars there. And... Um, and my girl scored a uh, hundred point and tied for tied for first place as a senior now, because in the Eastern National Meet in 2021, uh, she won the primary and also the Lincoln Trophy, the bucket for the division trophy uh, for for all Lincolns of 61 through 69 uh, in October of 2021. So as a senior car, we went up there and we had a cookout and they had an auction and. Uh, at the museum up museum up there for Hickory Corners. They had all kinds of car museums there besides Lincoln. It was it was a blast. It was a blast. It was so much fun. Yeah, and these are some of the things that you can participate in potentially if you join the LCOC. There's more information on their website on some of their upcoming events and things like that. So I want to just make sure that everyone's aware that there's some amazing opportunities. And I even kicked myself for not participating in the one that Larry just broke down because. I remember Chris Dunn drove up there, and it was just a just a great um, a mix of people from all over, really, the world. Um, in closing, I want to just reinforce one thing. So, you know, we've been talking about Larry's amazing car, and some of you are going to be able to go on bringatrailer.com right now and see it, depending on when you're listening to this. Now, obviously, the earlier listeners, you know, the first week, that's when it's going to more than likely coincide with this car going for sale on or around May 16th. But Larry, I want to be clear that this is a wonderful car. And if you think about what you said earlier, imagine if a shop rate was 100 to $150 plus an hour and you have a car that has over 1,500 hours in it plus another 40000 in parts, right? Then you, right. you look at the cost of what a car, what a, just a, a run-of-the-mill convertible would be these days you can quickly see that it's going to add up. And my understanding is you have turned down in a past auction a top bid of 150000 It kind of gives people a little bit of perspective on what you're looking for this car. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's true. I ran the car through um, the Meekum Harrisburg auction in uh, July of last year, and um, it did get bid up to uh, to one fifty. And if anybody there um, uh, has access to the, uh, the I think the uh, the Meekum um, website, I think it's through Paramount or something. I'm not sure where you get it, but if you can play back the episode where my car is on the block, listen, listen to what uh the commentators say about the lincolns because that that is very very interesting uh what they were saying when they saw the car not not sell it at 150 yeah so what i want to reinforce to folks is if it didn't sell for 150 you can imagine the price is going to be a little bit higher from there but what i would tell you is you know whether you're in store for this car or maybe you have a family member or someone that you know please have them check out bringatrailer.com and if nothing else, hopefully you've learned some things that'll maybe help you in your direction that you go in the future, whether you want to do a top-notch restoration, similar to what Larry explained, That's that was not uh, you know worked on 40 hours a week for four years straight, but certainly had over 1,500 hours put in it by one of the best of the best. But uh, I, we, we certainly wish you the luck, all the luck with this. I know if someone ends up buying this car, this go around, they're going to get an amazing machine. And I know it's not going to be easy to let go from your clutches, Larry. <laughs> no, it, 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 I'll be on the one hand, I'll be happy knowing it's going to go, hopefully go to somebody who really, really appreciates her. On the other hand, it's going to be tough to let go. I've owned her since 1990. I've owned her for 33 years going, going on, uh, on 34. So it's, uh, like I said, my, my oldest daughter is only one year older than the car. <laughs> I've owned it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Larry, I would imagine if anybody has questions, one thing that I've always promoted about bring a trailer is folks, um, can, can ask questions there. And as you and I both know, uh, one of the great things about bring a trailer is you often will have a very engaged seller. It sounds like you're definitely engaged. I can imagine you'd be willing to answer any questions that people put into the Bring It Trailer uh, comment section. Oh, a absolutely. I mean, one of the best things, I, I think one of the defining things about Bring a Trailer is that venue of communication between the bidders and the seller. Because think about it for a minute. We all watch the auctions, Barrett, Jackson, Meekum, etc. And the cars are on stage for 40 seconds but before that they sit in a in an area and you'll be lucky if you can find the owner on the car sitting there and if you are you can talk to the person about it uh and but you you get a, a brief you know amount of time with with bring a trailer you can ask whatever questions you want and it's up to the seller to answer them and i would strongly recommend if it's, if you're listing a car and bring a trailer why go through the effort of trying to sell your car and then not answer the questions i mean i don't understand that so um, the people, you know, people are asking you questions because they're interested in their car. They're not asking you questions to try to trip you up and say, aha, they didn't make a steel Corvette in 1967. I mean, that, that's not the purpose. And the purpose is really to provide a, um, a, a venue or an, a, a, an environment for communication. And the comment section is the coolest, most valuable part to me. I'll bring a trailer because it's a static auction. You just got photographs there. So all the action is in the comments. Yeah, and I wish I had bring a trailer as a sponsor of the podcast because I would tell you this. It's also a good way, especially, you know, many of you are coming to the YouTube channel. I appreciate that or the podcast itself. But if you think about 
reading some of those comments, you know, not everything that everyone says in there is true, but you can kind of get a gauge from people on certain things. It also gives you a little bit of insight to what people are asking. So, wow, if so-and-so asked for a video of that or a photo of this, it gives you a little bit of insight, even if this isn't a car that you can maybe splurge for, some things to keep in mind for a potential future uh, purchase. But uh, Larry, dude, it has been an amazing hour or so. Um, I just want to kind of throw it over to you to see if you want to give, uh, I know you gave a shout out to your wife and daughters earlier. Um, any other shout outs that you wanted to provide or any last comments for the uh, for, for the Lincoln Addicts out there? Sure, thanks. I appreciate it. Big, big shout out to my wife to pursue my passion for all these years and, and never giving me a hard time about the car. I mean, if you don't have a good wife behind you, I mean, I, and we know your story, Jason. We know, you know, Matt. <laughs> Rita Hayworth, and that's that's cool. That is so cool. And another another shout out to my two beautiful daughters, Amanda and Madison. Um, this Lincoln has been in their lives, and they 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 love the Lincoln, and they're they're actually kind of not happy with me that it's it's up for sale. And um, being out in L.A., Madison has been able to um, send me photographs of uh, other cool Lincolns in the L.A. area when she sees them on the street, which is just so cool. And so, and, and the, and the, another big shout out to, again to the folks down at Lincoln land, TC, Steve Allett, Baker's auto, uh, all the great guys in the Lincoln club, Carl, Tony, um, Jim, you, you guys all know who you are and I hope I didn't leave anybody out. And then Jason, I really, really, you know, props to you for, for giving me an opportunity to talk about this car because, um, the, you know, my final comment is we're heading into a virtual online world now. And for you guys that are going to be doing, you know, selling your car or buying your car online for the sellers, describe everything you can about your car, show videos of special things like the windows going up and down in Lincoln when you open the back door or the top working. Don't expect somebody to just guess that it works because you don't you only get one chance online. Absolutely. And it did, the audio briefly cut out a second earlier, but you, I think you had reinforced your wife's name was Tracy and shout out to right. Tracy. Cause I think it cut out there just for a second. Sure. Tracy, Tracy. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Larry, like I said, thank you so much for your continued commitment. Um, I would again, ask that if you guys want more information, please visit lcoc.org. Uh, while, while you're there, you can go to the uh, LCOC regions and then go to Philadelphia. As I mentioned, there are uh, some free newsletters. The 2023 spring, Larry did a very cool write-up. I can't thank you enough and kind of tied in a few things related to my passion. And certainly, Larry, we give a tip of the cap to you and all the LCOC members. Uh, To the younger guys out there or if you're looking to get into one of these cars, just remember these cars have been around a long time. There's a lot of people that came before us that helped us get to where we are, whether it be Elwood Engel uh, for designing the car um, and even the lineage that goes back way further than that. So tip of the cap to all of the LCOC members out there. We appreciate you guys and uh, we, we wouldn't be where we are today. Uh, Larry, I think that's my last comment. Thank you, Jason. You're the man. And, and in closing, I'm going to steal your line, man. Lincoln's on the rise. My man, I appreciate it, Larry. And everyone, good luck. Bringatrailer.com. Check out that 62 in platinum blue. Blue interior, such an amazing car. I wish I could buy it, but (laughs) I'm a Lincoln addict and I've already got too much. So, Larry, you take care, buddy. All right, thanks, Jason.